Shoot the defense, the best podcast in the world. We're out here. I keep saying Henri's a forward. Richie, who's the best striker you played against? Henri. <laughs> and the fact that we had now taken our country and put our country on the map of world soccer, being the first African nation, the third world nation in the whole world to win an Olympic gold medal in soccer, you know, it was, it was unbelievable. If you're going to take the time to go and get a pig head and break my locker open and, and wrap my clothes in it, I send in a different message to me. I've had to protect my family from going out into the street because you'll have random people that just come and abusing them racially. Even some old school managers who are British, they still have the same racial undertones like the man in the street who they're trying to condemn. All right, welcome to Shoot Defence. Um, I've got Steve Air, Rodri Giggs, and Scott Wooten here. This is probably the worst introduction I've ever done in my life, but fuck it. Are you guys doing all right? You and Estelle, all right? Yeah, all good, Steve. How you been, mate? How you been? Good too, good too. Yeah, you you oh, enjoyed this international break excuse to do some DIY and no 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 maybe scouting Bolton yeah say again maybe scouting Bolton tonight no I was going to go tonight yeah I've not gone still wanted us to do this for half nine so no it's you still nil nil why you should have gone I don't no, know maybe hold you back I've been watching the golf you know okay. don't don't you don't you dare let this this uh, no no no. Get in the way of uh, of your scouting mission, my friend. No, no, there's no scouting, mate. Just going to go and watch the game. No scouting. They're playing Burton Albion. 75 minutes gone. It's nil-nil. Yeah. Mm, excellent. So, yeah, it sounds like a very, very intriguing encounter right there. They've got Delph Wenzo. He was at Villa, wasn't he? Yeah. God, yeah. Um, he's a sub for Bolton, though, isn't he? Has he come on or something? No, no, he's on the bench still. Yeah. He's on the bench. Yeah. But Burton, I've got is that Cameron Borthwick Jackson that's playing for him now? He's yeah, for Man United. I don't know if Scott played with him, but I've looked at the lineup on the on the internet tonight, and they shaped him up in midfield. I can't, I can't really see yeah, that. Midfield, yeah, I was watching yeah. it before. He's um, he's playing as a sitting two in midfield. Yeah. I think he played about twenty Premier League games. I think for Man United. Yeah, Van Gaal played him. Yeah, was he was a left back, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Who's that, Kieran Lee? No, um, Jackson. Both with Jackson. Both. All oh, right. Okay. He, he, you're right. Yeah, Van Hal gave him the opportunity back when United had all those injuries and and fatigue and all that kind of shit, wasn't it? Give him a big, give him a big contract as well. Mm. Yeah. Scott, were you there at the time? No, no. I'd left uh, um, probably eighteen months before that. I left just as Moyes went in. Oh, right. Kieran Lee would have been a lot older than me and both of Jackson a lot younger than me. Um, so, so what, did you actually speak to Moyes by any chance or did you get to know him before? Yeah, yeah. Um, I spoke to him. Well, the reason I left was because he was a two-year deal on the table for me from under Sir Alex, but I couldn't... The reason I had to leave was because I, I said to Moyes, if you, I'll sign this contract if you can guarantee me to go out on loan because right. the, the two years before that... I'd spent a season alone in the championship at Peterborough and Nottingham Forest. Then I played in the f- four games in the first team up until January, and then I went back on the championship again in that January. And Moyes just said, "Listen, I want to have a look at everyone at the club. Um, <clears throat> don't want anyone to leave." Blah blah blah. So I, I in my head, I, I have to go. I couldn't have gone back to playing. Sort of, I think it just changed then to under twenty ones. Was it under twenty ones, Steve? Before it went yeah. to twenty threes. Twenty ones before twenty threes. Yeah. Now they're now they're trying to make it back to open open age. So I, in my head, I'm thinking I was 21, I think, turning 22. I can't go back because, you know, I got lucky with a few injuries when I got me got a chance, got a few games, and they were all back fifth. Everyone was there, Ferdinand Vidic, Johnny Evans, uh, Jones, Smallen. So I wasn't going to play. So I need, I couldn't go back to playing in, in the uh, in the 20. What it was just getting rebranded as the 21. So I, I would have been an overage player after a few months. So just I had to go. But he, he seemed all right, David Moyes, to be fair. Seemed okay. The thing is, uh, as, a, as a player and you've gone out on loan and you're going to come back to United, uh, the, many players have gone out on loan, come back to various clubs, and they've kind of, all right, they've done better, but more often than not, they end up leaving. Like, if you look at Arsenal, for example, you've got Kalasinac. He was at Schalke last season, and they got relegated. But then he's come back to Arsenal, and he's put in the team against Man City, and they've got hiding. But as a player like him, what do you think is going on in his head? It's like this manager didn't want me in the fucking first place. Like, 
does he does he feel motivated to play for the club? Yeah, well, it's it's obviously it's his job, isn't it? But in terms mm. of the motivational part of it, um, football's so fickle and things change so quick. So, like you say, one minute he's not in the plans, he's out on loan at Chelka, comes back. He might not have got the signings. There's been injuries. Ben White had COVID. All of a sudden, he's playing in the team. It's just that's how that's how fast and quickly it changes. And, and I'm sure the lads will, will echo that. It's just it's the craziest uh, industry for, for examples of the stuff like that by far. Steve, did you ever have any City players in the in the academy that went out on loan and then came back better, or maybe they felt kind of less motivated to put on the shirt? Um, no, there was the influx of money and there was the Youth Cup winning team that then wanted to then go. The next stage for them was to go and make first team debuts. And uh, while well, City are signing Brazilians like Ilano, Joe, Rubinho, etc., there was that type. Lads wanted to get on with the careers. So I remember Adam Clayton went to Leeds, Kieran Trippier went to Barnsley, then he went to Burnley. And for them, it was just all about getting some league appearances uh, because a bit similar to Scott, they kind of like knew that it was space jammed in front of them of, well, star quality, world-class internationals really, more so at United at the, at the time than at City than it is now. Um, and there's a few lads just cracked on with it. Uh, probably Ben Mee was another one. He went to Leicester, which is obviously a great loan. Um, and then some lads hung around and unfortunately didn't progress because they stagnated in the under-21s and they didn't get a good enough loans. But in fairness, the ones who went out on loan and jumped, they all ended up, they've all ended up having amazing careers and they're still all going. Is that, when you look at like Jesse Lingard, for example, he was at about seven. Sorry? He's at about seven. Yeah, was it, wasn't he? A Derby at Leicester, Brighton. Brighton. Ipswich. Ipswich, West Ham. Where else? He's been, he's been to quite a few Birmingham. clubs. But, sorry? Birmingham. Birmingham. Birmingham, yeah. That's right, that's right. But he's he's come back to United and he's back in the England squad. And um, I, this isn't like an intentional segue to talk about the international break because I, I fall asleep when it comes to the internationals. It gives me more time with the family, really. Uh, Steve, I think you're the same, Scott, before the show we were talking about. It was like, uh, Rod, you're a bit not sure. You know what? I didn't, wa- I didn't watch the Wales game. I only watched the last 20 minutes. It was 2-1 down. I thought, you know what? I'll watch this. See how they get on. Well, what is it about the internationals then? Because I remember, look, I'm, I'm 40 now. So I remember watching international games when I was 10, 11, 12, like Italian 90... Uh, Euro 92, USA 94, staying up to watch that, even though I was meant to be going to school the next day. Then Euro 96, which kind of like catapulted English football fandom, wasn't it? You know, had a lot of new fans coming from different sports. It's too many. There's too many internationals. And back then, the quality of the Premier League wasn't the club that it is now. And international football was probably better to watch. But there's loads of international games now. There's too many. Yeah. Well, there's how many is in that this break? Three is it two or three? England have got three, haven't they? Sure England they playing three, yeah. Because they played Hungary, Andorra. Who's the next one? I think Wales are playing three as well. They played, uh, they played Finland, and then they've just played Belarus. And then they've got someone else this week. What well, is it? No disrespect, yeah, but when you when you look at the calendar, you're thinking Finland, okay, Wales, that's the team, that's the nation that you support, but then they're playing Finland. They're not, okay, Finland qualified for the Euros and they've got half decent players. Then you're playing Belarus. And look, me, I, I'm going to support Cyprus. That's the national team. And I know they're shit. And I watched the fucking Malta game and they lost 3 0. And I watched the start of the Russia game and they'll uh, go down after five minutes. But I'm thinking, they're fucking shit, but not because of the, the players. The players are decent. It's just that the infrastructure, the, the coaching is terrible. Like the taxis are dreadful. But then no, we look at Wales against Belarus, you're thinking, can I be fucking bothered to watch this? I don't I don't feel any. Even if they were successful Cyprus, I wouldn't be interested in watching their games because you guys said there's so many fucking games. I cut myself off deliberately there. <laughs> no, you're right. It's, there's too many. And with the Premier League being so good yeah difficult isn't it fair enough all right let's go back to Lingard then because Scott I believe you kind of know him or you played alongside him in, in some capacity um many people have asked me that why do you think he's being called up to the England squad despite not really doing too much this season and I know he was in the um 
the the pre England squad before the Euros, uh, the Euros wasn't he? So he didn't make the full twenty three, but he played in the friendly against was it against Austria at Middlesbrough that he played in, the one that um, Trent got injured in. So it was in the plans, but then he didn't make the full squad. So for a player that has hardly kept the ball for for United this season, I know it's only three games. Why do you think Southgate has has called him up again? I think it just has to be as based on his West Ham form. Um, I think he was unbelievable, wasn't he, for West Ham, really? Uh, and I think I, I remember reading that Ollie said he was going to play if it wasn't for them coming down with COVID in the first game. So he's obviously, it must have given him a new lease of life, you know, coming back. Obviously, he must have been going through a tough period before that loan. He's gone there, done brilliantly. <clears throat> he's obviously came back really impressed in this pre season and, and maybe Gareth Southgate, maybe there was an injury, I'm not quite sure. And, on the whole squad and if someone had to pull out or whatnot and he's just thought, you know, he might have showed a really good attitude in, in the camp before the Euros, you know, there's all sorts of things he would have been considering and, and fair play to him, you know, he's he's not um, he's not looked at him and said, oh, he hasn't played for Man United, he's took him and he's done well and um, apparently he played really well last night, didn't he? So, you know, there's all sorts of things that I'm sure Gareth Southgate would have been, would have been considering and thinking about. Still, it's quite easy for me, mate. I, I I think this is a really easy one from, from in my opinion. You there, mate? Yeah, far away. Yeah, honestly, I think it's really, really transparent to me. I don't think it would be unfair to say that Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, and Mason Mount are, are better than Jesse Lingard. That's what the the not the, the standard football fan would think. But the truth is, Jesse Lingard is the best number ten in England. He's the only one who does it for his, for his club, albeit West Ham. Scott covered it superbly there. Not only did he play, he was excellent for them with his numbers. And all the others, if Phil Foden plays there or Jack Grealish plays there or Mason Mount play there, however brilliant they are, they're actually playing out of position, albeit from 10 yards coming in off the wing. Everybody thinks that Grealish is that good. He can play number 10, but when he plays there, he gets lost. Every time Mount plays there, he gets marked. And Foden is better on either wing. So the I truth think, is, I think uh, Deli Ali's got a spot there. If he if he carries on continuing and Tottenham keep on playing there, he's a natural number. 10. Yeah, but no, but no, yeah, but Tottenham have moved into number eight. Rod, Tottenham have moved him back. Tottenham have moved into right midfield. That's why he's playing so well for Spurs. He got he got he got drowned playing for England in that position as well. The truth is, Jesse Lingard is the best England number ten. It's it's, it's for me that's. He's got, he's, well, he's the only one that runs past the centre forward. And that helps the centre forward because he takes centre halves away and it gives the centre forward a bit of space. The other three all like the ball. They all want the ball on the spot. Lingard will run through. And that's what, that's for me, makes him the best centre forward. I'm sorry, the best number 10. I think the problem he's got for United is just Bruno Fernandes. That is, is it? Because if, I'm sure if he played in that team, he would be just as successful as he was in the West Ham team, but yeah, you know, you've probably got one of the best Premier League players in front of him. Honestly, it must be great to play with for the centre forward because he runs and joins up with you, and then runs past you. <laughs> and centre halves have got to pick you up, and it gives you a one-on-one as a centre forward. So you think he could play in as a three, but not obviously in the two holding. He's got to play uh, in front of the holding. Lingard, Lingard has got to play in front of Rice, in front of basically where Mason Mount played in the first game. No, I'm talking now for United. If you, if for you, United, you need to play uh, for United. Well, it's a coldy second, it Rod. Just um, and the, th- the thing is, Fernandez looks like the type that doesn't want to come off. Doesn't want a 20 minute rest on a Saturday because they've got a Champions League game on the Wednesday. He doesn't want to come off. He wants to play the minutes. Other than injury, I don't see how he gets a game for United. So why would you want to stay there unless you just want to play with Ronaldo? Uh, how much is he on? No, but why would you? It, no, he's playing really, really. In right, he should be. He'd walk into most Premier League sides, and he's going to sit on the bench for the net for another year. He's 27, 28 No, he's getting towards twenty eight now, isn't he? Let's have a look. Let me let me double check this one because Lingard was like the best teenager in the world last season. <laughs> he's twenty eight. He's going to be twenty nine this year. So yeah. he's in his prime now. So he's, he's a fit lad. He doesn't really get injured. So there's no problem in, in going in for the next five or six years because you can see no problems there. But, you know, it's a short, short career. What a, especially with the season he had last year. 
But he's kicking himself now, and oh, maybe he moves in January, gives it to January. I think you know what. Yeah, you could just keep reviewing it every 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 six month window. Yeah, it's just a waste, isn't it? To waste four months. Of, yeah, yeah. Because in pre-season as well, to be fair to him, probably Southgate seen in the highlights I watched, he was very very good in pre-season yeah. as well. So then he got COVID, mm. and he had to sit out for a bit. The thing is, no disrespect, right? But we we know that he had um, family problems. Well, it was quite well documented last season that he had issues at home with his family and everything. So perhaps he doesn't really want to leave Manchester because he's going to have to uproot and go wherever it is. At least if it's alone, it's only a temporary thing. Whereas if he moves permanently, then he's going to have to keep going back and forth, back and forth. So perhaps staying at United... Why was it so successful for the Wings at West Ham then? I don't know. Maybe things had improved. Maybe any news a short-term thing? I don't know. I'm just guessing here. I'm I don't know. I'm just guessing. Well, he's not actually he doesn't actually his his dad's from Manchester, but his mum doesn't actually live in still in Warrington. So mm. she's from Warrington, she's not actually Manchester. Not only 20 minutes away, but yeah. okay, fair enough. Well, I, I guess he a whole weight off his shoulders, might he? He's gone down there on loan, you're in a yeah, fresh environment. Mm. All this pressure and he, I mean, he got a bit of a tough time, didn't he, for me, the United fans. That's all gone now because he's playing for West Ham. Uh, and in terms of him not going, he might have probably done that well at West Ham. Oli Solskjaer might have said to him on day one of pre-season, listen, you're going nowhere. We just don't know. Like you said, still, we're, all, we're just guessing. But, oh, yeah. Well, he What's he got well. left still? Yeah. Oh, that's another question. All right. Okay. <laughs> I, think he's only got, I think he's only got a year or... Runs until 2024, mate. Oh, right. So he's got three years left. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. Hang about. Hang about. No, no. One second. Ignore me. 2022. 2022. Yeah. This is last year. The report was he was offered a new contract. So maybe he's thought, you know what? I'll sit out. I'll wait a year and I'll get paid. He's on 75 bags a week, man. No, he's on more than that. I'm going to that. But if he moves, he'll. He'll get a lot more instead of Who's someone right? paying twenty million for him. Now that's right. That's right. Mm. Although right. The, the, the thing is with Lingard, right? He went through. I remember when he got his debut with United under Van Gaal. He was left wing back against Swansea. And he, he came off injured, and then he fought his way back into the team. Scored the goal in the FA Cup final, and then his his kind of, his career kind of kicked on from that, but like gradually. But I think the peak of his United career was probably under under Mourinho when he scored at, at the Emirates and he was doing the doing the moonwalk on the on the pitch. And then that's when the whole gimmick kind of started, the whole dancing and all that kind of shit. And it's almost as if it elevated him to this, this level whereby people were expecting him to do this week in, week out, but for the gimmick. And so then when the goals dried up, that's when he started getting all the shit. To be fair to him, I think he was played out of position. Like Scott and Nolan more than me, where I'm sure he was a number 10. He was getting played out on the wing a lot and he wasn't performing. So it's difficult when you haven't played there a lot. And you, I don't know, was he a number 10, Scott, or was he a, a winger? Yeah. No, he was He was a number 10. If he pl- ever played wide, it would be similar to like what Steve was saying before. He wouldn't be wide taking plays on on the outside. He'd be coming inside into little pockets, causing havoc. But his, his best position by far is, is number 10, 100%. Especially now he's, he's grown into his body. He's, he's completely grown into his body yeah. now. He's clearly doing some work in the gym. Yeah. He's got adult features instead of kid features anymore. But um, his shoulders and his biceps look bigger every time I see him in a kit, but not out of proportion. He's just simply grown into his body. It's his time. Like, Rodri, you said, though, I'm saying that. But, yeah, you're right. He, he should be playing. Well, didn't Ferguson say that he was going to be a late developer? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, they always thought that. Seven loans. So you probably just never physically developed enough to play in a fair. Technically, he was there comfortably. Um, do you remember him when he was a kid, Steve? And he was yeah. tiny. Well, what used what used to happen? He was an under eighteen. He was an under eighteen, and we'd turn up and play him at under sixteens, and he'd be playing in the under sixteens. And we never had the we never had the ump that he was playing. Basically, two years older than he shouldn't be. We just used to have the ump that a courtesy call if they'd have rang us on the Thursday or a Friday and said. Can we play one of our older boys down because he's a late developer? We'd have always said, yeah. 
So we had the ump that we never got the courtesy call. But for about four or five years, Scott, then when we went, then when he was 20, he was playing down in the under 18. So, you know, you, you'll have known by playing with him, but the United staff knew they had something. And instead of releasing him because he couldn't cope at his own age group, they played him down. But like I say, they never told us about it until we turned up. <laughs> yeah, he, was, uh, he didn't get in the youth cup team. I can imagine. You know, both know, yeah, that the League Cup's like, it, obviously in the League games, the games share round and stuff, don't they? But yeah. Youth Cup, it's, you pick your best, especially at United, it's a huge yeah. tradition. So that was so, like Tunnicliffe and Pogba? Yeah. Tunnicliffe, Pogba played as a midfield too. Um, Arnel Cole played on the right. Yeah. Ravel Morrison played number 10. And yeah. a, a guy called Giuliano Van Velsen played on the left. Jesse was on the bench. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's done the best out of all that. Like, yeah. Pop, Ogba probably, you know, he's 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 done the best out of all that squad. Yeah, it shows you, doesn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. Van Velsen, wow, that's a name. Bloody hell. Wow, I remember him. I remember him, but not like, you know, the name stands out, obviously. Christ. Um, right, I'll tell you what, but did you, did you see what happened in, in Argentina, in, in Brazil? Excuse me, in, in Brazil, when Brazil played Argentina yesterday. Crazy, crazy. It's, crazy, yeah. It's absolutely bonkers. That that is, I mean, I've never seen a game postponed in that way before. I mean, obviously, COVID didn't wasn't in wasn't in in the world when games were being postponed back in the day. But I mean, for crying out loud, you got health officials running onto the bitch. You got police officers trying to arrest footballers. It's fucking crazy, man. <laughs> Can you imagine? And they're saying that all oh, these players they provided false information because apparently, when you go to Brazil. And you've traveled from red list countries or red zone countries, you got to self-isolate or you got quarantine for 14 days, and they'd only been there for like three days. <laughs> That's mad. That's mad. Do you like, think you they filled them forms out? Do you think someone else filled them out for them? I don't know, mate. I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that that Martinez, that goalkeeper, left Arsenal. I don't think he kind of anticipated getting arrested in Brazil though, one day. Fucking bonkers, Steve. Have you have you seen a match postponed or cancelled for a very bizarre reason? Like I don't know, maybe a dog running on the pitch biting a player, or um, I've got some stories playing at <laughs> certain levels. I've been involved in one at Blackpool where there was an Owen Oyston out campaign by the Blackpool fans on the last game of the season for Huddersfield, and uh, um, it, it got so big and prolonged that the game the game got cancelled and never replayed because it was the last game and there was there was there was, there was people on in wheelchairs you know the, those scooters like you have to see on Benidorm and things like that oh the um yeah, yeah mobility scooters mobility scooters yeah. there was there was uh, I think uh, bikes I don't, I don't know how they all got there was there was there was kids there was grandparents and it was just a just basically a, a protest stroke riot and the game never continued so that's the closest I've ever been to being part of one but uh, I think uh, our lads were disappointed because they needed three points I think our lads at Huddersfield to get a win bonus because it would have meant that you'd have got more points than you'd done the previous season mm, okay. and the game just got just got scrapped because and, and it, 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 it broke a lot of hearts in Yorkshire Scott what about you man come on I'm sure you heard some stories, at least when you were at Leeds, with the financial difficulties and all that. And yeah, you just reminded me. Yeah, wow. We we turned up for the game, so Leeds are always on Sky, always. Um, even when they were in the Championship, they were always on telly. But the money was equally shared out between all the clubs, and I mean, we had Massimo Cerino with the owner at the time, and he's you just have to Google him for two minutes. He's an absolute lunatic. And we turned up for the game and the gates were locked. So you turn up an hour and a half before the game. The gates were locked and he, he was blocking all the cameras and all that from coming in for the game because he didn't, he was basically trying to protest that it was unfair that, obviously, basically what he was saying is when Leeds are on telly, less fans come to the game because they can stay at home and watch it on telly. And they were on, we were on telly every other week. Um, and the money, they weren't getting any extra money than any other teams. So we turned up for the game and the, the goal of gates and all that were locked. He wouldn't let the cameras in. But I mean, it ended up going ahead. But that that was the closest that I've ever come from like a crazy experience of a game being being cancelled or anything. Um, we had one last season actually playing for Wigan away at Oxford. One of the floodlights blew. Um, was on fire. Fire engine. The second half got delayed by I think about 25, 
30 minutes. We had to go and sit back on the, the coach because we had to evacuate the building because this, the floodlight was on fire. That was a bit crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Um, oh, ended, up, really? ended up playing it playing it on, but no, that, that's it really. Well, come on, man. Oh, you must have some. Come on. No, I haven't really. Um, postponements. I remember playing at Newcastle at Newcastle Falcons on the Rugby Union ground. We played there and the wind was so bad it was pulling the corrugated iron off the roof. So it, that got cancelled halfway through that game. But no, that's it. Really, um, FC United when they run on on the fans, the dicks run on the pitch and sat in the middle of the ground. But yeah, no, no crazy ones like that. Very well. Actually, do you know what? We were speaking about players on loan uh, in Lingard. Scott, you were at Peterborough, weren't you, when Darren Ferguson was head coach, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, right? What is want... that like? Because I'm here, I've heard so many stories about players being sent out on loan to clubs that, you know, Sir Alex's boy has been in charge of, and then it doesn't go right. And then Ferguson gets pissed off and he brings the players back. What was that? Conversation that like we've um, that happened at Creston, didn't it? Um, yeah. Josh yeah. King, Matty James, I think Danny Welbeck were yeah. all on at Creston. And then when um when Darren lost his job, he recalled them all back. <laughs> uh, but what, yeah, was no, the, what was the conversation yeah. like? Did he say to you, Come on, son, you're, you're going to Peterborough? No, I was actually I was on holiday. I and I in Iron Appen in your country. Come on! <laughs> so I was I think I was 19. 19 or 20 anyway, and I was in it. I, honestly, I'll never forget it. I got a phone call off with L number. So I've gone to me like, oh, is that someone like give me a prank phone call? Anyway, rang back about five minutes later. So I answered it and I was in the hotel and it was Alex Ferguson. Um, so I was like, oh, ran into the next room. And he basically just said, listen, because um, I'd been on loan at Tramia for two months because you used to be able to go on month to month loans. And that was in League One the season before. And he just said, obviously, you've done well at Tramia. Um, Peterborough have just been promoted into the championship. Um, you know, it'll be a good chance for you to, to make the step up in the division, blah, blah, blah. And that was that was pretty much it, really. And then I just went there on day one. But it, it was a bit... Because everything you do, you're thinking, it's going back to Sir Alex Ferguson, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Training, your attitude. Obviously, you don't didn't get into any trouble or anything like that. But you, in the back of your head, you're thinking everything, every performance every conversation is going to end up going back to the boss. So uh, it was quite strange. But listen, he, he was great. I mean, he's done great in his managerial career, Darren Ferguson. He was a really good manager. Uh, this, is, this is how smart Fergie is, yeah? And, and the thing is, people talk about how sly he is. He sent you on loan to Forest when Steve McLaren was head coach as well. He knew exactly what he was sending these players. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's, that's why... So I, I'd gone on loan to Forest then after that. Um, and then fast forward 12 months so and then I got involved with the first team then at United done the pre-season uh, done well and then stayed with the first team until January and then everyone was back fifth and I actually could have Stephen kind of been sacked but uh, well before this point Sean O'Driscoll was the manager mm-hmm. and he tried to sign me in the January permanently but obviously Darren was still a piece about it so I knew Forrest was interested and then when I had a meeting with Sir Alex about uh, offering me a new contract he didn't even mention not Forrest it was Peter put it again. So I was like, ah, you know what, what do you do? Do you know what I mean? So I ended up uh, ended up going back to Peterborough on loan, whereas I could have signed for, for nothing for honest. Mm. But it's a big club for us, though, isn't it? Yeah, massive. I loved it there. Um huge club. I mean, they've won two European Cups, not even Forest. It was it was uh, you know steeped in history with all the Brian Clough stuff and all the hist- all the um all the stories you hear in the training ground and stuff like that. But no, it was good. Really good club. Good setup. Good training ground. Um, I think they're, they're struggling at the minute. Aren't they? The bottom of the league, I think. They haven't won a game mm. yet. Well, hang on. Was that before or after the, the Greek took over? This was before. before. This was, I actually signed... When I joined on loan, the owner passed away after about a week of me joining. Uh, Doty. Is it something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we were supposed to play Derby. Uh, obviously, the big, big Derby match. And uh, he passed away, and I think it was the. Fr- I remember being in the hotel on the Friday night, and the game was cancelled. Um, it was quite a sad time, really, to to be there. Yeah, and then I think, I think the Greek guy came in that following summer. I'm pretty sure. 
what, what was the vibe around the club? Because I know uh, Dubs was at the club at the time when you were there, and Dubs was playing for Olympiagos before that, so he knew who the owner was. Yeah. He must have told you a few stories about him. Oh, yeah, there's some... I remember there was a few lads still there from my time there, Chrissy Cohen, um, a couple of boys, and just saying it was just carnage, the, man, the amount of managers that they were having. It was similar to what I experienced at Leeds with under Massimo Cellino, just manager after manager, um, and it was the same there. Players coming in from, you know, the amount of players that they signed. In fact, funnily enough, at Wigan, Tendai de Riqua was there, and he said since he'd been at Forest in three years, they'd signed 76 players, he said. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just carnage, isn't it? It's mental. I mean, the stories that you can you can hear about this this owner is, is hilarious. I really shouldn't say too much, but you know, for crying out loud, he he apparently owned a ship that was seized with a uh, like hundred kilograms of of heroin on board or something like that. You know, it's just like <laughs> he's just yeah, he's just one of those guys, but. Anyway, it is what it is. It is. I'm sure you you've heard lots of stories there, Scott. So I'm not gonna delve into that one too tough, but yeah. So anyway, the, these uh, international games are we we glad they're they're over, almost over, because the the Premier League resumes this week, and then United have got Newcastle, the return of Ronaldo. We haven't really spoken too much about Ronaldo's return, have we, gents? I mean, we touched on it last week, but it wasn't in depth. So I think it's come out today that United will be paying Juventus two and a half million a year for the next three or four years or something along those lines, which think about it, I think that's money well spent. Steve, was there any chance that he would go to City, do you think? No, no, no. And I think I touched on it last time, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I've got no knowledge. There's no foundation here, but uh, it's so high profile now. It's so high tariff that uh, with with these agents involved that we only know by name, maybe maybe by the odd profile pick, you just keep hearing about them and the millions keep going up and up, you know, and, and the city hierarchy. But this is the third, not the first time that City have taken Man United down the path and then turned round and gone the other way. They did it with Harry Maguire. They've done it with Alexis Sanchez. And they've done it now with Cristiano Ronaldo, all but signing for City, if you were to believe it, for about a 48-hour period. Um, and I just don't know if City are more than happy to do this, to uh, ramp up the wages for Ronaldo to go to United and in return, some some business exchange. It's just me speculating. But the, but the facts are, City have done this three times now. Okay, so you guys have obviously not purchased a striker this summer. Aguero's gone. Uh, what, what's happening in January then? I, I honestly believe it's going to be similar to what happened with Chelsea and Fernando Torres, where they spent big in January to bring him in. And I think that's yeah. what City are going to do this year. They have to, surely. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it, it, it could be Kane again. It could be Kane again in January. I've not ruled that out in my mind. And uh, I'm sure you know, some form of negotiation or approach will be made to Haaland. I'm, 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 I'm more convinced of it now. So whether that be January or the summer, I'm not sure. But uh, I'm expecting I'm expecting City to bid for one of those two players um, again. Scott, what did you make of uh, the Cristiano Ronaldo move? I messaged uh, David when it, on the day when it happened and he just said yes with like the, the muscle emoji. So yeah, he's obviously pleased about uh, Ronaldo rejoining United. What about you, mate? Yeah, I think it's great news and incredible for all, all the fans. I think if that's if their figures are true, I mean that is just an absolute steal. Uh, what the Chelsea paid? I know he's thirty six, but he still scored more goals than Lukaku last night. More than last season, yeah. And they paid what one hundred ninety seven million pounds for him. Yeah, I think the wages they'll get back in shirt sales, and you see, I've seen stories of they can't even get enough shirts to. To satisfy the the mega store at Old Trafford and things like that, they'll get that money back easy and more for what they're paying them in wages. So if that's what they're paying them transfer fee, it'll be an absolute deal. I think he's just guaranteed goals. I think he his mentality, how he trains, all that will just take it'll just galvanize the whole squad. You know, they've not won anything at the minute. Most of them lads in there, obviously Pogba's won stuff with France and Juventus, but that's the next step, isn't it, for that? for the team is to, to win a trophy and his experience and his his, men, his winning mentality hopefully will um you know will, will drive that team on and, and 
I think they can, I think with that sign now, I think they are serious, serious challenges to Liverpool and Chelsea City. I think all that said they're, they're a bit short. Varane and Sancho are two yeah. great fans as well, but I still didn't really see see them getting anywhere close to Chelsea and City, especially also Liverpool. But I think that now really bridges the gap massively for me. Yeah, so they're going to pay Juventus 15 million quid, but it's going to be over five years, three million a year, which is astounding, really, when you think about it. A club like that, was that it's nothing for a club like Man United, 15 mm. million a year, nothing. And when they bought Paul Pogba, didn't they? they, they around the world, they, they, they matched the put they, they earned, started earning money after a year. That's Paul Pogba, imagine Ronaldo, yeah. Well, this is it. And the thing is, it kind of boosts the club's portfolio on top of that because they can now say to investors, look, we've got Ronaldo. But enough, they've already got Pogba. So it's, it just adds to it. It adds value to the club. And the owners know exactly what they're doing. You know, as, as much as they've uh, leached money out of the club, they know exactly what they're doing from a financial perspective. But Scott, what, what do you say to people who say that, you know, Ronaldo joining is... Because Alison Rudd, who is a very well-known journalist for, I think it's The Times, she wrote two articles and one of them was about Dan James leaving United and that just shows that United are moving backwards in terms of their youth development and bringing in Ronaldo is going to hinder the youngsters. For me, that's a lot of old bollocks. What, what, what do you say when you when you hear s- stories like that? Or opinions, shall I say? He was a young player, but he didn't come through the youth system at, at Man United. They bought him from, um, from Swansea. So That's right, yeah. It's not, don't know where that's come from, but Simon, that you couldn't get any better player for the you, you know, imagine being Mason Greenwood now, learning off Ronaldo every day, training with him, doing finishing practices, drills after training, and the, the reserve lads, academy lads, even Rashford still young. They're all, there couldn't be any better signing for to bring on the youth players at all. It's that's just absolute nonsense for me. Well, you were there when Rio was at the club. And he was fair, he was very well established. Vidic was there, if I'm not mistaken. And it reminds you of, I think I mentioned it on the last show, that when Laurent Blanc joined United, and a lot of people were saying, Oh, he's 36, he ain't got no legs. But then you look at how much Rio and Wes Brown and John O'Shea learned from him. Come on, you if these players don't learn from Cristiano Ronaldo, and for people to say, Well, his, his joining him joining United is going to hinder the development of youngsters, it's nonsense. If anything, it's going to help him, no. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, the only point I can kind of get is I've heard people say, oh, well, Greenwood's not going to get... Where's Greenwood going to play at? But there's that many games. They have two games a week, every week almost, up until Christmas and even after, you know. He's going to get his fair share of games. And even if he can still play on the right, he can play on the... You know, Sancho and Rashford can play both on the left. He's going to... He'll get plenty of game time. Ronaldo's not going to play the Carling Cup, I wouldn't have thought. Mm. Maybe some of the FA Cup games, depending on the draw. Um, so it's just it's absolute nonsense for me. The development of I'm excited to see how it how it's going to unfold, really, especially Greenwood, because I think he's a special talent. Mm. Um, and uh, Rod, following on what Scott just said about Greenwood and the, the amount of games that he was going to play for crying out loud, even if Ronaldo didn't join. Greenwood wasn't going to play every single game anyway because you've got Cavani, they've got Martial, you've got uh, Rashford I, coming back. Mate, I disagree totally. This guy's a stud. So if he's scoring goals like he is and he's playing the way he is, you've got to play him. Yes, you've got Every to. week. He's 19, why, 18, Why 19. not? Why not? He's burnt out. No? Yeah, you're not going to play him every week. But That's if, what I'm saying. Every, every, but every other week, you're not going to be leaving him out and... and and not playing him if he's doing well and scoring goals. I don't give a shit how, how old he is. He's, he's not 20 now. He's, he's growing into a man. He's not a kid anymore. So if he's scoring goals and he's playing the way he's playing, this guy's a study. He's going to be United's top goal scorer. No doubt in my mind if he carries the on the way he's playing and developing. Uh, Steve, what do you reckon? Mm. What do you make of uh, Mason Greenwood? You, I'm sure you know all about him. Yeah, I do, and I agree with everything that you and the lads have said. Uh, and just just to put a, a, a different angle on it, I don't see anything being affected with his development. I think um, it's 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 really on an even keel, mostly on that uh, on that left wing. Sorry, that right wing coming in off the left foot on his left foot. Uh, he can play right across the front. Um, my biggest concern is Bruno Fernandez. 
Um, a very disappointing Euros. Ronaldo, the main man the other night against Ireland. Fernandez dragged off. Every penalty that Ronaldo takes, Fernandez doesn't take. Every free kick that Ronaldo takes, Fernandez doesn't take. Every probably shot from outside the box will now be halved because Ronaldo will be having it. I actually see greater gain with develop, uh, in development with Greenwood. I see it with Rashford. I still see Ronaldo being the best player in the world, in my opinion, for the next 12 months or even two seasons. I've just got a doubt about Bruno Fernandes, who I'm a massive fan of, but I think it'll just shade him because it's done it with Portugal. Jota had a quiet Euros for Portugal. Bernardo Silva had a quiet Euros for Portugal. And I think when you've got the best player in, your, in, in the world in your team, most of it goes through you. There has to be a give somewhere else. And I, I've got a feeling it'll be Fernandes. What, you mean, what's well, it make way for? No, just his numbers. He's been amazing right. for United. I'm a, big, I'm a big fan. But he won't continue in that vein with Ronaldo in the team because I look at what happens at Portugal and I think everything will be geared up for the best player in the world to have a great time at Old Trafford. And you can't do that and somebody else have a great time like he's had for the last two seasons too. I don't believe they can dovetail superbly equally. I don't believe basically Fernandes can carry on being the main man and I think it will shade him. Okay. Well, in that case, I'm going to ask you guys this question. One more question, United-based, because I want to make this all about United. But Ronaldo joining the club, what does that mean for Paul Pogba then? Does he play a central midfield role now? Because I can't see him being played on the left-hand side like Ole has done previously. Is he going to be more of a central midfielder with McTominay? Sorry to the lads. Anyone? <laughs> well, that's, he's, got, he's got to play there. It, we can't carry on with Fred and McTominay. And so Pogba's got to make that position his own. He's good enough. He plays for it for France. You know, I'm pretty sure you'll see him assisting Ronaldo a lot because, you know, his quality is good. And we've seen Ronaldo, how good he's in the air and wherever it is, he's going to score. And Pogba's got good quality. So I see him sitting in front, but being the one that can press on it. And even if Fred's there or McTominay's there, they're, they're educated these players enough. If one's gone on, one's got to sit. It's just, it's pretty simple. Scott? Yeah, I agree. The, the big thing for me will be knowing what Ollie's done in the past, especially 18 months with Pogba, all the big games, he's played two of the three of Matic, McTominay and Fred because the more disciplined he knows that he'll sit as a two. Listen, we know what Pogba's like, he's an amazing player, but he does drift and he does wonder. He hasn't got the same discipline as them two. So I'll, I'll be really interested to see what he does for United's first real big game. Because I can't see him playing on the left now with Rashford, Sancho. I think it'll be one of them two with Greenwood. I think Greenwood's nailed on, like Rod said before, to play on the right. Um, and it'll be I'll, I'll be really, really interested to see what he does with Pogba, whether he does trust him in a big game to play as a sitting midfielder in a two with Fred or McTominay or whether he, you know, because there's no doubt every big game he goes with Fred, mainly Fred and McTominay. I think Pogba's played wide on the left, hasn't he? Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I believe he can, on the same as rather. I think he can play there. Like you said, he plays there for France. The only thing is he's got Kante with him and we know how good Kante is at doing all yeah. the things working the ground he covers. That allows Pogba to give him a bit more freedom and, and to drift and to, to play the the maverick type passes that he does, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he because against the, in the wall. I watched the game against Wolves. And I don't know if you you lads watched it, but they were so open to the counter attack. I mean, I know Traore is quick, but there was so much space right through the middle of the pitch. Uh, Wolves were a better, far by far, a better team, and um, I just that was I was thinking that with Pogba as a sitting midfielder, he doesn't give you that that discipline that the others give you. He might not be as good on the ball when the fans get on the back and all that, but in the big games, obviously Oli sees that as well and he always goes with two or the three of the, the more less ability but more trustworthy players as the two sitters. But then he might, you know, and you can look at it with Varane coming in, though, that might be more solid yeah. for him and he might trust the back four more. You just yeah. never know. Or you just never know. But they've got the quality to do that, definitely. Scott, we we, we spoke last week and, and you weren't on with us, but we suggested that because I think it was Martial up front, who's not really in favour, not a great centre forward, um, 
that the problem United were getting done on the counter-attack is because he wasn't really doing the job of a centre-forward, which was pushing Pogba and Fernandez on to try and be, affect the game. And that was leaving Fred in the middle of the pitch. It was against Southampton and Wolves, I think. And that's what made them, you know, susceptible for the counter-attack, really. And I think, actually, once United get a better centre-forward, i.e. Ronaldo or, or Cavani, then you won't need to push on as much. And you can actually have Fernandez 10 yards further back Pogba 10 yards further back, enjoying controlling midfield. Uh, well, question. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, do you know what, mate? I, th I think I'm going to have to agree with what Rod said about Varane's influence because if Pogba plays in the middle of the park with McTominay, I think that they, they will complement each other if there is a good partnership between Maguire and Varane. I think... Ollie probably played McTominay and Fred because he knew that Lindelof and Maguire weren't trustworthy. Um, but listen, only Solskjaer knows what system he's going to play. Um, and obviously it's an, an exciting time for, for most yeah. United supporters. So. And he's got to look at it still and look at, it at the, the, the formation played. How did it all end up? What do we win? What do we come away with? Mm. You've got, you know, you're Man United, you've got to take risks and playing to it in holding midfield is not taking risks. Fair enough. All right. Right. Is there anything else you guys would like to uh, discuss? Because um, something happened in, in Guinea today, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Do you hear about that? Military coup, they tried to take over Guinea and they cancelled the Guinea-Morocco game. <laughs> they were about to go on the pitch and then there was uh, gunshots and uh, apparently someone was trying to take over the presidential palace. That's another game. That was <laughs> Where was that? In Guinea. And I think I think Naby Keita was uh, on international yeah, duty. Yeah. Bloody hell. <laughs> and here we are worried about little things, eh? You know, Jesus. Apparently, United are going to be doing spot checks. Fans, COVID-19 spot checks. How's that going to work? I know in Cyprus, right? Get this. In Cyprus, you can't buy a ticket to a football match unless you've got something called a, a safe pass. And that basically means it's like a certificate that says that you've be, you've taken the vaccine and you've got a, a negative COVID test. How are they going to do that out here? If they, how are they going to implement something like that? If that's what they're thinking of doing, it's not going to work, is it? It's going to be hard, especially when someone's been charged up drinking since eleven o'clock. Some some squares asking you for a passport, getting to watch football. I mean, it might work in the lower league games, wouldn't it, Scott? I mean, obviously the tendencies yeah, aren't that big. Yeah, a lot less fans. You know, you've got a four or five thousand fans. It's more easier to control, I'm sure. But you've got seventy five fans, sixty five, sixty thousand fans trying to get in the Etihad, or seventy five thousand fans trying to get in Old Trafford. It's just, I don't very, know, just very different. Work, yeah, don't care. Yeah. So oh, it's not a good job to have that, is it? It's not going to be a good day for that. It's just going to be a ball ache. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Scott, I've got a question from a guy called Rye. I think his name's Ryan. And he's a he's a Plymouth fan. He's asked, um, could you ask Scott about his time at Argyle, please? Big, big Plymouth fan he is. So um, yeah, have you got any memories about your, your time there? Yeah, no, good, good memories. Uh roller coaster. Um, so signed. Would it be three seasons ago now under Derek Adams? Uh, played the first six games, then tore me quad away at Charlton. Um, then I meant to be out for six weeks, ended up being out for three months. It was worse than what I thought. And I didn't play again. And after that, um, Derek Adams had a settled team um, that was doing well at the time. And then he, I think we'd won about seven out of 10. So I couldn't, you know, nothing I could have done, nothing to say. Um, but then we ended up going on a really, really bad run. But he just seemed to stick with the, the same team. He just didn't change the team ever. Um, we ended up getting relegated. It was quite quite a strange season. Um, so the first year was probably my worst year in football, actually, funnily enough. Um, so it was a hell of a roller coaster. And then the second year was we obviously got relegated then to League Two. It was the first time I'd ever played in League Two. So I wasn't, no, I wasn't looking forward to it, but you know, I didn't really want to ever play in League Two. But um, it was actually one of the probably the most enjoyable season that I've had. We had a great set of lads. Ryan Lowe came in, new manager. Um, Stephen Schumacher is number two. Um, really good on the training ground. Uh, good coaches. Um, 
and we had a great set of lads recruited really well. Um, we ended up getting promoted, got cut short due to um, the COVID, so we got promoted on the points per game. So that was a great year, winning most weeks. Uh, like I say, really good dressing room. And then the following year, we got back up to League One. Um, started the season off really well. Um, then was left out very, very, very harshly, in my opinion, um, by the manager. Um, then we had sort of in and out a bit, and then Wigan came up. So obviously, I wanted to to, to really go there. It's a club I've been linked with a few times in the past, so they came in in, in for me in January, and then that was my time at, at Plymouth. And yeah, so two and a half years, uh, one not so good year, one very good year, and then um, half a year that was sort of in the middle. So it's roller coaster, like like uh, probably like most people's football careers, really up down, left right, uh, but no, really good club, good stadium, good setup, great fan base, really big. People don't realise how much of a big club it is, really, because it's, it's just so far away. Um, it's, uh, it's a nice part of the road down there, isn't it? Yeah, really nice road, yeah. Beautiful, some beautiful spots uh, right on the coast. Uh, really good club. Like I say, massive fan base, really good stadium. No, I, I, overall, I, when I look back at it, I look back with, you know, it was a good time, really, especially the promotion winning season. Um, you know, it's, it's tough to get promotion. So, no, I look back with, um, look back with a good time. You mentioned Stephen Schumacher, and that gave me like flashbacks. Wasn't he? Wasn't he part of Everton's academy? I'm, I, if I remember Correct. correctly, Correct. That, do, do you remember they had? Um, what was that called? Was it? Was it the Victory Shield when it was Northern Ireland, England, Wales, and Scotland? Yeah. And he played for England, didn't he? He was the captain. Yeah. It's very good school. Was it Victory Shield? What was it called? Yeah. 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 You're right. Shield. Yeah. And he played for England, didn't he? He's a good, very good young player. Because when I, when I was younger, when I saw that, I was like, "Is he related to the, the German goalkeeper, <laughs> <laughs> Tony Schumacher?" But he wasn't. He was a good player, though, wasn't he? Mid, was he central midfield? Central midfielder. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 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 See, see, hey, Steve, Steve's nodding his head, so I've got it right. I've got it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. I, I spoke. I actually spoke to him because I I remember here because I'm from the similar area. I remember speaking to him about his career and. It's not like how it is now. You know, we talk about Jesse Lingard before had seven loans. Mm. So Stephen Schumacher, what he said, you do your two years in the youth team. And if you weren't ready to go into the first team, this is maybe evident how they've done it at the time. Or if you weren't Wayne Rooney or you weren't ready to play in the first team, you were done. There was no like, oh, we'll give him a two-year deal, see how he developed, we'll send him out on loan. And he says, he looks back and he thinks if he'd have had that time to develop and allow himself to grow and all, all the bits we spoke about with, with Jesse earlier you know he says he says that he could have I mean he still had a very good career don't get me wrong but he for the talent he had at, at a young age you know he, he, he said himself you know he could have had a potentially a better career but that's um, that's football isn't it there you go there you go right gents anything else before we wrap it up shall we talk about our IFPL teams you looking forward to the weekend Steve I'm actually thinking about you, my you counted them up yet no, no, I haven't. The auction ones. No, I haven't done them yet. No, no, I have to. Yeah, you must be doing shit there, then. That's what no, 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 no. I'm just having the time to do it. You should listen. If you see my living room, yeah, it's a fucking mess. I'm living in this conservatory. I'm gonna turn off the fucking kids back in school yet. Yeah, she went back to school Thursday. There you go. Plenty of time. No, it's not plenty of time. It's not plenty of time. No, 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 it's not plenty of time. I've got things, I've got fucking floorboards having to be put down. I've got fucking all sorts of shit going on in this fucking house. I had, the, I had my niece and nephew's surprise birthday yesterday, which is a fucking carnage. Honestly, man. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was all right. We fucking, look at you. Everything's all tidy where you are. There's not everyone can not, live in luxury not, like not, you. Not, does all that. Huh? Not dark, she does all that. Yeah, well, Women's my... Women's work, that. Mine, mine's seven. She don't know stuff like that. I, I get a Sainsbury's delivery from the fucking delivery guy. She stands yeah. at the front door waiting for her Disney cards. Yeah, well, hey, I ain't got time for cleaning the house. Yeah, <laughs> she gets free rent. Keep the house tidy. <laughs> Fair enough. That's the way forward, mate. That's the way forward. Yeah. Fucking hell. Uh, geez. Right, gents, thank you so much. I'm going to use the wild card, you know, Steve. I'm thinking about using the wild card. It's a bit early. I know, I know, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, happy with, I'm not happy with... Because you're bottom of the league, you mean? 
No, 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 no. Because now that Ronaldo's there, I was thinking about what you said about Fernandez, you know, and Sancho isn't doing well, I've got him on my team. Not the auction one that we did, the actual FPL yeah, yeah. team. So oh, now you, you have you have got your own show. Three games in. I know, but still. Relax. No, no, no. no. But look, I've, I've, I've got Ings and Bamford up front, yeah? So yeah. Bamford... Bamford. Bam, bam, mm. You'd be gutted if you was Bamford yesterday coming off. I don't know how that hard works. And they're playing Liverpool at the weekend. Do you think he's going to get uh, any chances? I don't know, man. No, not against. No, so he's going to come out. And then I'm thinking about playing Mikel Antonio. But Antonio played for Jamaica and he's got to fly back. I don't know if he's got to quarantine as well. They're playing Southampton at the weekend, West Ham. So Surely he's not going to quarantine. He wouldn't have gone. Surely. Yeah. I don't know. Look at what happened to the Argentinian players. One of them's going to the fucking yeah, nick. Yeah, <laughs> They're going to come uh, back. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say it. Loco over there. Buen Dia, Emi Martinez. You've got the two guys at Spurs, Lo Celso and the other guy, Romero. He hasn't even played the game yet. He'd be behind bars. Are you doing the show on Thursday? Oh, I might do. Uh, it might be a late one. But um, yeah. I'll, me, me, I'll, wa- I'll watch and steal all your it, ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, you need to listen to, to Dan because he, he knows his stuff more than I do, to be fair. He studies it religiously, looks at statistics well, think, and that kind of stuff. You'd think he'd be top of the league then, wouldn't you, if that was the case? Yeah, you would, but his, his first week wasn't great. But then again, my second week wasn't better. But then again, it's head-to-head leagues, man. Head-to-head, you need, you need to really look out for these ones and look at your opponent and see what the, it's, it's crazy. That's long, what way people... long way to go. Long way to go. My yeah. fantasy league starts NFL this shit this week as well. I've got one of them as well, Rod. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love doing that. Me, I've done it for about three years now. It's quality. Yeah, I'm on my second year. Oh yeah. There you go. So you guys can do your your hand throw ball team together. It's only an eight man league though, so the, the squads are strong. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I got beaten the first playoff game last year, so I've got to do better. How does it work? Is it similar to the FPL in the sense that you can make substitutions and transfers and all that? Um, yeah, you can make transfers, but probably you've got a. You've got to be on the ball and watch the the the, the games. And who has a good game like the rookies or whoever who, who's not been bought because they're all the good players have, have all been took. And there's eight leagues and you play against each other. And then obviously at the end of it, you go into a playoff and then yeah. You have to do okay, so with FPL you can do different systems like four four two, four three three, that kind of shit. Do you no, do- it's the same. No, you you've got Wide receivers, and then you've got some reserves. You say you get injured or whatever. You is that with DraftKings? DraftKings is that the one? No, fantasy. It's a fantasy NFL. All right. So we've got a mate in America that does the baseball, and I, I, I can't even keep up with that because he talks yeah, about no, statistics no. and all that shit. I'm, Just, uh, I'm a big NFL fan, you know, as you know. So yeah, starts Thursday. Yeah, Jesus Christ, we're, start, we're doing this all over again. What you're, you're Chicago? No, you're not Chicago. No, 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 I'm a Raiders fan, so LA yeah. Raiders. Yeah, it should be Rams. Is that right? Well, they were LA Raiders when I started. They went to Oakland, Melbourne, Las Vegas. Vegas, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Vegas. The, the Allegiant, Allegiant Stadium. It's incredible. You, isn't you it? need to do an NFL podcast, Rod. You and yeah. Scott need to do an yeah. NFL podcast. I swear to God, I watch it all mostly every time I get in. Stephen A. Smith, all that shit, all American stuff. Yeah, it's good. But you watch the uh, you watch um, uh, MMA as well, UFC. I'm a big MMA fan. The Paddy the Baddy Bint Pimlet this weekend was, was on, and there's a few scouts on Mally McCann. Uh, obviously Darren Silver, he got beat, but yeah, that Paddy the Pimlet one to watch him. Is that the scouser that that fought the other night? Yeah, and he's, he was got, a... he's got a quality name, Paddy the Baddy. <laughs> <laughs> He had the guy linked in, didn't he? No, like an old, like big, it's like Daddy Ace, that's all the best. Do you see what he said in the interview about uh, Instagram? Oh, no, yeah, he's quality. He's quality. Okay, brilliant, man, because you listen. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Have you ever heard of uh, Arlene Blanco? Arlene Blanco, the Russian? Yeah, uh, no, Arlene Blanco. Ukrainian? She's a uh, UFC fighter. Oh, there's so many, mate. There's so many. There's so many uh, upcoming ones now as well because they've got Ultimate Fighter, they've got the Contender Series. Yeah, they're smashing it over there. So, Olga Rubin. Ever heard of her? Olga yeah. Rubin. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's loads of upcoming ones. I've told you. The women's. Women's really good fighters now as well. Really yeah, so, good. 
So this Olga Rubin, her her nickname is Big Bad. And you know those two lads that do an MMA podcast for us? They, they've got her coming on soon. And then they've got this Arlene Blanco as well. So there's two female MMA fighters coming on. on shoot the, it's cool. It's actually called Shoot the Takedown, which is on our platform. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to be interviewing her them too soon, which is pretty interesting. But I need to get in touch with my mate Tam in Dubai because he knows the Gracies and all that. And hopefully he can help us out with that. But we're still doing this life. Fuck. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, Scott, thanks for jumping on, mate. Really appreciate it. No no worries. Steve, the game ended nil-nil. So I guess we saved yeah. your journey. Nice one, my friend. <laughs> and Rod, thank you very much, Rod. Do you want to do your Twitter handle thing again? Uh, I've got James Giggs everyone's going to be following you no one gives a shit about me right that's it guys so until next time take care blah 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 blah